Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we are going to be talking about, after we've handed out all the names of God, the Santa Claus effect. So, embrace. It's going to be good. Um, I want to know some of the names. Not everybody has the same name on the tag that you got. Let me hear some of them that you, you got. Shout it out for me. Emmanuel, Redeemer, Savior, Lamb of God, Messiah, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mediator, Servant, Holy One, Good Shepherd, Deliverer, I Am, Bread of Life, Root of David, Alpha and Omega, Light of the World, Son of God, Cornerstone, King of Kings, Jesus, the easy one. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The names of God. And so we, we just prayed that as you got these today, that there's an element of the nature of God that you're going to experience this Christmas season. Part of who he is. The, the names of God, what Mel just sang, his names say it all. It's who he is. His names are not just generic names. It's the nature of God. And so just so, like, this is my personal Christmas miracle. I ordered these things um, off a very North American-looking website. My confirmation came in Mandarin, so that was a problem. And Thursday morning, I still couldn't find them. And so I'm like, finally get through all the tracking stuff, or Tuesday morning. And, um, and I finally get to the place that's going to like actually translate the, the thing for me, and I can translate it into English. And it says that um, it hasn't left Asia yet. I'm like, what's the whole point of the sermon on Sunday? This sucks. So I literally did one of these. Jesus, I could really use a Christmas miracle. Just joking and pass, you know, carried on with the rest of the day. Thursday or Tuesday afternoon, I come out of the last meeting that I have, and Coralie says, Pastor C, there's a weird-looking package that showed up for you this afternoon. <laughs> Seriously! They... <laughs> so I don't know exactly what happened, but I think it's a Christmas miracle. And the names of God have showed up. So God really cares that you actually have an encounter with him this Christmas. And he also cares that I didn't have a breakdown this week. So also good, right? But today we want to talk about this crossover. We want to talk about the names of God. We want to talk about who God is, basically, and the crossover with the Santa Claus effect. So just bear with me on this one. Our initial thing as we go into this Christmas season, as it has, we've been talking about for weeks, is the good news. We've been talking about it all month. The basic uh, structure that we see in Luke 2, verse 8 to 10, it says, Now there were in the same country... Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we've been talking about this good tidings of great joy, 
great joy, thank you, to all people, not just some people, not just people with a lot of money, not just people who live in certain climates doing certain things. You know, it is, it is great joy to all people. There's this offer that is available to all of us. So if the offer is available to all of us, it tells us that if we're not experiencing it, it's on our end. The great joy is available to all. To all, we get a choice, but we get to decide whether we actually lay hold of it or not, whether we partake of it or not. And so carrying on with this, we know that Luke 7.11 says, we're talking about um, the good thing that God gave, the great joy that was delivered, that was declared, that was released. And Luke 7.11 says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, I think I used to believe that that meant Slurpees at actual 7-Eleven, the good things. Dad, can we please have? But no, it's the real good things of God. He has good things that he gives to us. And the passage that that's talking about is, is where there's the what, what do fathers naturally give their children? What do humans actually want to, you know, pour out, bless their children with. And if you want to give good things to your kids, if you want to be a good parent, you want to be one who gives, one who loves, one who serves, how much more does your Father in Heaven want to give you these good things? So this is the nature of God, that when Jesus came, it was the delivery of good news to all people, great joy was available to all people, that God gives good gifts to his children. James 1 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is every good thing that is going on around you is from the Father of lights. God is good. We talked a couple weeks ago about God is a giver. So God is good. God is a giver. He is pouring out. Sometimes we struggle with the basic concept of this and we have a view of God that can be a little bit, you know, a little bit twisted, a little bit, we don't necessarily look for the good things that God has for us. And one of the things that I um, was remembering, I remember it every Christmas, you know, when I'm trying to buy the perfect gift for somebody. Did anybody remember reading or having read to you in school, uh, the story was actually called the gift of the magi or the gift of the wise men by O. Henry, not the chocolate bar. <laughs> o. Henry. Anybody remember that story? The gift of the magi? Anybody not know the story? Most people, okay. Well, it's, man, we, uh, we could use a little Bonnie. That's almost, you're, you're, she's like English teacher. She's like, come on people. It's this story we used to hear every year in elementary school, and basically it was, the, the story was actually written and published in 1905, and it's the story of this young couple, Jim and Della, and um, they've fallen into hard times. They don't have very much. It talks about how, you know, he used to make $30 a week at his job, and he's gone down to $20 a week at his job, and they have nothing, and it's Christmas Eve, and um, they're living in this place that furnished is $8 a week, and, you know, it's just falling apart. You can push the doorbell, and it doesn't ring. There's just, like, everything's falling apart, but she's been saving all year by negotiating with the grocer, 
the butcher, whatever, when she's buying stuff throughout the week, all year long she's been negotiating to save a penny here and a penny there so that she can buy her husband this perfect gift. She wants to buy him the perfect gift. So she's been saving all year long and she has $1.87. And $1.87 isn't enough to buy anything. And all she, all she wants is just to let him know how much she loves him. And so she's like, what can I possibly, what can I possibly do? What does he possibly need? You know, and they're just, they're just happy and in love. And, and so she thinks, and he's got this one thing that is his treasured possession. And it's this gold watch that he inherited from his father. And it, he just loves this gold watch. But the, the strap has broken or the chain has broken on it, so he can't, you know, pull it out and look at it. And so she's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get him a chain for this watch. And so she, um, she takes the clip out of her hair, and she's got this long, beautiful hair that goes down to her knees, and it's her prized possession. She has always just t- taken pride in this beautiful hair that she has that she can grow. People compliment her on it all the time. It's, it's her pride and joy that she has this beautiful hair. And so she takes herself, he goes off to work, and she takes herself down to the little corner barber, and she sells her hair. They cut it, and they buy it to make wigs and whatever. But she gets $20 for this hair. So she now has $21.87, and she's so excited because she goes down to the little um, the store at the end, at the department store, and she finds this perfect silver, um, you know, uh, like a chain and clip that goes on this watch. And she's, she's like, this is going to just like change his life. And she tells herself like, it's okay. My hair will grow back. It's no big thing, but I just want him to know how much I love him. And so she gets her haircut. She takes the money. She buys the chain for the watch. She comes home. She's so excited, spends an hour trying to fix whatever's left of her hair to make it look good before he comes home from work. And he walks in the door and he's just like, what have you done? And she's like, don't be mad. Don't be mad. My hair will grow back, but I'm so excited about Christmas. And he's like, he has, takes a minute to get over it. And, and, um, he's like, why did you do that? And she's like, well, I just like, don't be upset. The hair will grow back, but I really wanted to get you something special for Christmas. So he sits down, calms himself down. She brings out the package. He unpacks it. And it's this beautiful chain to go on this prized gold watch that he has. And he just sits there in silence for a minute as he pulls out the package that he bought for her after he pawned the gold watch. And it's tortoise shell hair combs for her hair. Because it was worth way more to him to buy her something beautiful for her hair than this watch was worth. I remember hearing that story multiple times and being so sad about it. I'm like, that is the worst Christmas story ever. You should never tell that story to children. How miserable, how cruel. And it occurred to me that you sometimes need a little bit of a revelation, a life revelation on this because a little bit further down the road, you know, as a 12-year-old or whatever, I'm like, that is the worst Christmas story ever. Now, as an old married lady, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That is the best Christmas story I've heard in a long time. Because at the beginning of their marriage, 
When they had nothing, they both decided to prefer one another over themselves. The gift was not in the stuff, the gift was in the heart that was attached to the gift, right? It was the fact that they each laid down their own thing for one another, and the word tells us that that is perfect love. The greater love has no one than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. The laying down of a life, and, and you, we might think, well, you just, they sold stuff, they pawned stuff. No, they gave what was precious to them to give love to the other person, right? Wouldn't that be, like in your marriage, wouldn't that be a lifetime gift to know I'm with somebody who would give their most treasured thing for me? When we have these mindsets about God and what, what does God want from me? What is God trying to get from me? What does he expect from me? I think we miss the fact that he gave his most treasured possession for us. That literally he gave, we say it so quickly, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have, no, 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 no. He gave his only begotten son, his only real birth son. He, he, he gave Jesus for us. The, the, the measure of that kind of love is unfathomable for us. And, and we have to decide to look at it through that lens. See, when I was a kid and I was like all about the gifts and like, you want to get the perfect gift and you want to, you want to give the perfect gift. You want to get the perfect gift. And this is, this is kind of a sucky story because nobody got any gift. I had a confirmation bias that I was looking for there, there to be a flaw. There was something going to be missing. There was something that wasn't going to be right. I had an expectation in my mind because people will say, you know, you grow up as a kid, what do you want for Christmas? What's on your Christmas list? What do you want? You have an expectation that there's going to be some things you get and some things you don't get because life's not perfect. Our expectation, our confirmation bias that we should be looking for is God is good. Everything he gives is good. Every perfect gift comes down from him. That he is absolute perfect love. That no matter what circumstances are going good or bad in my life, God is perfect love for me. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the expression of his love. Isaiah 7, 15 says, that therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The announcement of the good news of great joy, which shall be to all people, was the arrival of Jesus. He was the good news. He was the great joy. He was the gift. If I understand and I start to look for places where the great joy in my life is that God is present, I'm looking for him in everything. In every good thing that happens, in every place of a smile in my heart, in every place where I feel safe or loved or cared for, I know that it's his presence in my life, even if it's in the midst of crisis. Even if it's in the midst of tragedy, even if it's in the midst of hard things, that sense on the inside of me that God is with me, that God is with me, that is reason, that is cause for great joy. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Just what Mel just saying. This is, this is the thing. Unto us, a child is born. Let's like, go through that list. Emmanuel, God is with us. I feel so alone. I feel like I'm not going to make it through this day. I feel like I'm not going to make it through this week. Except that God is with us. So feelings have to bow to the fact that God is with me. How about wonderful? He is just wonderful. He is the God who is the one who is worthy of my wonder. Worthy of me going, how good you are how great you are, how glorious you are, how wonderful you are. He is the counselor. He is the counselor. I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know how to respond. I don't know where to go from here. He is the counselor. I don't know how to get from where I've been to where I need to be. He is the counselor. I don't know how to let go of that that has been behind me because it's affecting my right now and I don't want it to affect my future. He is the counselor. He is mighty God. Bigger than every situation, every issue of life. He is bigger than every financial need, every physical need, every emotional need, every health need. He is bigger than that. He is the answer to all of that. We get to choose to walk with the mighty God. The one who speaks life and it happens. The everlasting father. Some of us, we come into Christmas and the family stuff is overwhelming. Everlasting Father. Zero betrayal. Zero absence. Zero loss of love. The everlasting Father who always has been, who always will be, the one who is the Father of lights. The Prince of Peace. Some of us panic when we're coming close to Christmas because of what we grew up with. And we're just waiting for the fights to break out. We're just waiting for the upset. We're waiting for the pain. We're waiting for who's going to start it. How about the Prince of Peace is the center of what we focus on? This is who Jesus is for us. It changes everything. We don't have to live from where we've been. We get to lean into literally what looks like a perfect situation. It's the stuff that you see on It's a Wonderful Life when you know that really it comes down to the true heart stuff. It's the real wonderful life. Knowing that God has for us everything that we need, everything that we desire is found in him. Psalm 145, 2 to 8 says, Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. There is a legacy that is meant to be passed on by the people of God one generation to another. Let me just read that again. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. There is a legacy, there is an inheritance of the presence of God that radically changes what we anticipate if we share it, if we teach it, if we instruct it. I was so blessed you know, last week when the kids did their Christmas concert up here, and I know there's been some other ones this week, but centered on the Christmas story. 
Do you know that there's, there's an entire generation of young people that have grown up that have no idea what the Christmas story is? Like, actually have never heard it, have no idea, you know, like, what the, the baby Jesus is. I was talking to somebody uh, just this year that she said she grew up in a house that they always, her mom put up a nativity set every year, but she just thought it was one of the decorations. She didn't know what it was. They never talked about it. It was just one of the Christmas decorations that came out. But one generation is meant to share or express or praise your works to the next generation. We are meant to purposefully pass on the truth that God is everything. This, this verse in Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, his name shall be called. These things should be passed on. It just from one generation to the next, from one person to another, we should be so aware that this is who God is for us, that he's available, that I don't have to live in drama. I don't have to live in trauma. I don't have to live in upset. I don't have to live in anxiety. I don't have to live in this measure of pain. I can experience everything that God has paid for for me. It's available. I need to, I need to embrace what has been presented before me. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. And heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So when I say yes to Jesus, when I say yes to this gift, because the good father has given a good gift to me, it is great joy to all people. When I say yes to the gift, when I receive the love, I step into relationship and I behold a new measure of love in my life that accesses the inheritance Love has been poured out. God laid down because he so loved me. He laid down his only begotten son. He gave life to me. That's pure, pure love. And in that comes this beautiful inheritance. Now, one thing we need to understand is inheritance is not earned. It is received. An inheritance is not earned it is received. It is straight up something that we just have to say yes to. We can, you know, you get a phone call. Some of you have gotten those letters lately that you've got an inheritance coming from Britain. You only need to send your banking information. That's probably not what we're talking about. Um, not just going to receive that one. But there is a, there is a receiving. When, when somebody pours something out in your life, out of their life, it's not about, I don't feel worthy. It's about, thank you. Right? If somebody, like, bequeaths you something, if you have an inheritance that comes towards you, we, we are so blessed by what some person has poured into our lives. This is the inheritance. We become joint heirs with Christ, heirs of the kingdom. There is something that we receive simply because God says he's given it to us. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Not behold how worthy I have been, what a great job I've done this year. I feel like I should be able to bestow, have bestowed upon me the love of God because I am lovable this year. No. Nope. There is nothing about me in that except that I receive. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. It is simply he pours out and we receive. But this is where we want to get into what is a problem that I see in the church. And this is what we call the Santa Claus effect. The Santa Claus effect is something that I think we've got, I'm not sure if we've got points for that up there. Santa Claus effect is the idea of seeing God through the lens of Santa Claus. We would say that we don't in the church. We probably don't view things that way. But I can tell you from ministering with people over and over and over again, the capacity to receive the love of God has everything to do with how we view him, our biases of God, and our view of ourselves. And so many people intellectually, if I was to just straight up say around this room, how many of you know and experience and walk in the love of God? There's a good percentage of us that would say, I know it, I've read it, I've heard you preach it, I don't feel it, I struggle with it, and if I was to say why, you would say, well, because, you know, I'm really struggling with this, I do this, I just got an issue with that. And we would evaluate it through our own behavior. We would evaluate it based on whether or not I feel worthy of the love that you've said you've given me. Isn't that sad? But a lot of times we have this package because of what people have meant well of in the past. And maybe this isn't the specific reason, but it's, it's a picture of it. This Santa Claus thing. So I was, I was studying, like, where did the thing, you know, like writing your, your list to Santa, where did this come from? When do people start writing letters to Santa? Because you can actually, your kids can mail them off. They can email them now and whatever, and somebody answers them. And I can tell you it's not Santa. Um, not, not trying to blow up anybody's thing, but it's, he's not answering the letters. Um, but here, here's a little interesting tidbit for you, just to give us a mindset. Um, this is according to the Smithsonian Magazine, so you know it's true. <laughs> the letters to Santa thing started in 1810 in North America when the first image of St. Nicholas in the U.S. was commissioned by the New York Historical Society and showed him, showed St. Nicholas in ecclesiastical garb with a switch in his hand next to a crying child. <laughs> Happy. So good, isn't that? The letters that first came came from St. Nick to the children and were usually about behavior. So they, were, they came as autographed letters from Santa, full of good counsels for good behavior. Such as, you have picked up some naughty words this year, which I hope you will throw away as you would, bitter, uh, as you would a bitter fruit. Try to stop and think before you use any, and remember, if no one else hears you, God always will. The whole concept of the this St. Nick, Santa Claus, kids, Christmas, whatever, as it, as it got crossed over into North America, came with this connection to your behavior and what is necessary for you to have a good Christmas and because God's always watching. 
how many of us actually have in the back of our minds, in the back of our hearts, and you might say our family doesn't do Santa Claus at all. I'm telling you, our society has embraced an idea that if you are naughty, you don't deserve anything. If you are nice, you do. And this is from a twisted secular viewpoint on who God is, on what we're trying to do to manipulate our children into good behavior. Now, again, I'm not saying this is not really about Santa Claus. This is about a mindset. This is how we tend to view things, at least in North America, whereas I deserve a treat if I do something good. I deserve punishment if I feel bad. It bleeds over into our relationship with God. And some of these core things are like this. I deserve to be healed if I do the right things before God. I deserve to be provided for if I do the right things before God. I deserve to have a good relationship if I do the right things for God. I deserve to be forgiven if I do the right things before God. I deserve to be loved if I do the right things before God. Do you know God doesn't keep a naughty and nice list? He doesn't. And, and this concept, when we look at it and we just see the little crossover here, this, this naughty or nice, this good things or bad things, it compromises us in a mindset when we're in a valley, we struggle with, is God mad at me? We're on a mountaintop and we feel like maybe we did something right. Do you know there's, there's journeys of life and there's some hard times and there's some some great times and there's everything in between and this great joy for all people this love god so loved the world these things are an inheritance that have nothing to do with our behavior and and there are things you know like obviously life decisions and consequences and you know stuff like that i'm not talking about that i'm talking about this radical love of god the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful One, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the presence of Him in my life has nothing to do with my behavior. It has to do with the fact that He is good. And so when we, when we bite into, in any way, this kind of mindset of naughty lists, you know, good lists, are you good, are you bad? Do you know, from the beginning, they actually have this record in the Smithsonian of the types of letters. They actually consider it like a great... So, so, uh, what do you call it? Sociological study um, of people and behaviors and development and track record of the system um, in, the, in North America and how things have evolved and whatever. But in the beginning, when kids actually started writing letters back, they would, they would write things like, um, you know, my, my dad has been out of work for three years and we don't have anything. Could you, just, could you just bless my dad with a job? Could you get my dad a job? Or my mom has been working so hard, she really needs this. And they found that almost all the letters at the beginning were requests for somebody else. And they were things like, even if they, you know, we have the whole, you're getting a lump of coal. There were kids that were asking for coal because they were cold. They literally saw that as a heating source. And so we saw the shift from that and this like, uh, you know, could you, could you help? We need this, we need that. And, and really, because it was presented in a way that was so similar to what God is, they basically sound like prayer lists. It's asking somebody that I can't see who apparently has more power and ability than I have to please help me. I've been a really good boy this year. 
please do this. I've been a really good girl this year. Please do this. I just want to encourage you today in your prayer life, in your engagement with God. I don't care if you've acted like a dung beetle all year. It is a great time to come and engage with God. He has offered great joy to all people. He has offered perfect love to all people. He is the Prince of Peace to all people. He's the Comforter, the Counselor, the, the Wise One, the Mighty God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the Beginning, the End, the King of Glory. He is that for those that will say yes. That is it. It is coming to Him and not saying, I've done this, but you are this. Over the years, Oddly enough, as the separation of God from society began to shift, so too did the tone of those letters. And they say that they, they can watch them. They can watch the progression of society from, please help my mom this, please help my dad that, to, I'd really like a, you know, a wagon, a book, a doll. And over the course of time, a MacBook, an iPad, a phone, the lists are getting longer and longer and more and more expensive and less and less full of heart. Because we've shifted from even believing in the source of life and love and hope to just, I need something. So the answer to this is to cross over from the Santa Claus of effect to the inheritance. The inheritance. Psalm 16, 5 and 6 says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Isn't that beautiful? The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Let's just say that together. I have a good inheritance. One more time with some gusto. I have a good inheritance. Now, that was not, I did not ask, like, how, only the people who have been good this week say that. All of us say, I have a good inheritance. Why? Because God is my portion. He is my inheritance. Not what he does, but him himself. And the word portion, when the psalmist says this, God is my portion, it literally is translated inheritance, allotment, and my source of security. Isn't that good? My inheritance, my allotment, my source of security. So when he is saying, you are my portion, he's saying, you are my security. You are my safety. You are my safe place. You are my reward. And where that goes back to is, is in those days, I mean, obviously when we saw the allotment of land for Israel and the different tribes, we know that the specific tribe of Levi that served God, God was their portion. Like they didn't get land, they got God and God provided for them and supplied everything. We as New Testament believers, we get to partner with that. We get to say, God is my portion. Every good thing comes from him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights in whom there is no change, no shadow of turning, but he himself is my portion. He 
himself is my inheritance. He himself is my security. And so when King David was saying this, he was like, honestly, it doesn't matter if I have land. Doesn't matter if I have a palace. Doesn't matter if I have a throne. Doesn't matter what the stuff of my life is, my delight, my pure inheritance, my safety, my strength, my hiding place, my security is the fact that you are with me. You're my inheritance. That is, that is everything. Everything I could ever need is found in you. When we sang just a bit ago about your names, say who you are, everything that I need is him. Literally, I have a great inheritance. I have a good inheritance. I have a wonderful inheritance. I am an heiress. Can you imagine? Have you been good this year? Probably not. You know, we, we say things like these dumb things at Christmas. Have you been good this year? What does that matter? It's Christmas. Jesus came and the declaration was good news of great joy to all people. The good ones, the not so good ones, it is there for all people. You know, you might be here in person today, you might be watching online and you're like, oh man, and we hear it all the time. If I entered a church, I mean, I probably lightning would hit me. Oh, all of us, if we actually got what we deserve, that's, that's the reality. The truth is we don't get what we deserve, we get what he's given us as an inheritance. Come on! What a joyous, beautiful thing. And so when we, when we look at this, if you got the Christmas letter, please take a Christmas letter today before you go. But um, you'll find probably what looks like not the most happy Christmas verse on there. I, you know, in the Christmas letter is a good verse from Lamentations. You're welcome. We're going... <laughs> We're going to the depths this year. But the reality is when you read Lamentations, it's this book written by the prophet Jeremiah who was surrounded by idiots. Um, again, probably a better way of saying that. But um, the poor guy gets these words from God and this instruction from heaven and he shares it and people just disregard like, they don't care, you know, God's not their focus. They don't care about what, what the Lord desires from them or how he wants to walk with them. They don't care. They just do their own thing. And he has to live with this. He has to live with the consequences of other people's poor decisions, which is so difficult. And so literally, Babylon comes in, Jerusalem falls, the city is, is vanquished, and, and the inheritance of the people, physically speaking, is gone. But Lamentations chapter 3, he writes this, starting at verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, or my inheritance, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Some of us, man, the circumstances around you, you're like, I can't believe what I am having to live with, not even because of my own decisions. 
Sometimes it's the people around me. Sometimes it's, you know, the, the nation has turned away from God and we're dealing with some of the consequences of that right now. We have, there are decisions that are being made on a massive scale that, yeah, you get to vote every four years, but that's not much compared to what's getting decided regularly. What do I do with that? I can either get really frustrated and really disappointed and really upset and I can freak out every time I hear about inflation and I can panic about the unknowns of the future, or I can say, you know what? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It means that even though there are things that go on that are outside of my control, or maybe even myself, maybe I make decisions and moves that I'm, afterwards I'm like, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Through the Lord's compassions, we are not consumed. He, he, is, he is merciful to us. He is gracious to us. He is kind to us. He is our inheritance. It means that if I'm focused on the other stuff, it would overwhelm me. It would overwhelm you. Maybe, maybe you, you, you know, do the year in review thing and just you want to have a 10-year nap following that. It's so, it's so horrible, all the stuff that's gone on. Maybe it's overwhelming to you, but if we separate ourselves out and we go, you know what? Yep, this is the stuff. If you read Lamentations 1 to 3 up to 22, you find all the stuff that Jeremiah has a good reason to be upset about. But then through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion or the Lord is my inheritance. Not dependent on my actions. It's a, it's, inheritance is dependent on my receiving. So let's just walk through this a little bit slow. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. It means that it doesn't really so much matter if I am good or not. He's merciful. I can ask him for deliverance. I can ask him for help. I can invite his presence into my life, even if I've made poor choices. I've prayed with people this year who have said like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I brought this on myself. Anybody? Most of us literally have that thought at some point in a, you know, period of time. Oh my goodness, I brought this on myself. So what? Through the Lord's mercies, I'm not consumed. When we repent and we go the other direction, God can restore. God can heal. God can take the years that the locusts have eaten and he can build it back. There, there is something about God that he's not shocked and surprised that we do dumb things. He's the restorer. Some of you got that uh, button actually this morning. He's the deliverer. He's the one who rescues us out of the pits that we put ourselves into sometimes. But he makes sure that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. I can't outuse God's compassion. I can't outuse his mercy. I never hit the limitation uh, bubble there where everything just shuts off, where God's like, yeah, nope, that is all the free passes you get. Sorry about that. You've, you've hit the end. No, his mercy is new every morning. There is something in every day where that, that care for me, that loving kindness shows up and it is there for this day. 
Maybe your entire year up to this point, you know, we are on December 18th, right? Maybe every day up until now has been a train wreck. Today is a great day to say thank you, Lord, for your incredible, unimaginable love. I'm choosing to say yes. I'm choosing to accept the great joy that has been given to me, and I'm stepping into my inheritance. Why not today? Why, why wait till the January 1st new day thing? Today is a good day for a new day because it's been offered to us. It's new mercy today. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Not great is my faithfulness. Isn't that a relief? Honestly, great is your faithfulness. I am not dependent on my faithfulness. I am learning and growing in that. I am trying to be increasingly faithful in how I do life, in how I love people, in how I serve, in how I care, in how I decide. But you are always faithful. You are always faithful. You are always true to your word, and therefore I lean into you. The Lord is my portion, or my inheritance, says my soul. We sang this morning, come on my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Sometimes you got to speak to your soul. And you tell your soul in this particular case, the Lord is my portion. Verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Sometimes you tell your soul what the soul's supposed to say. Soul, he is your portion. Soul, he is your inheritance. Soul, he is your security. Soul, he is your safe place. Soul, he is the place that you have confidence in. He is the one. If you've got Jesus, you have everything. If you've got Jesus, you and him are a majority. If you've got Jesus, you've got all the hope you need, all the supply you need, all the grace you need. If you've got Jesus, you've got everything. You are my inheritance. You are my portion. Therefore, I hope in him. And the word hope there is earnest expectation of good. Oh, come on. Not my good, his good. Not my behavior, his nature. Not my, my track record, but his faithfulness. This is what he's invited us into, this inheritance. What, what we, we sometimes, you know, we, we, we can stand around and we can have our Christmas traditions and we can do this stuff and, you know, we're just like, you know, trying to get the checklist of all the things that we normally like to do to celebrate. And, and that is totally fine. But I think sometimes we miss the depth of, he is my inheritance. And the day that those shepherds were in the field, minding their own business, just doing their job, not fancy people, not educated people, not brilliant people, not perfect people, bunch of guys out in a field, you know, hanging out. And the angel of the Lord shows up on purpose to people who couldn't have even begun to think they earned it. I think if he'd have, they'd have showed up at a synagogue, there might have been some self-explanations, right? They'd have sang over the temple. Some people might have thought they were worthy. Some rich people's house. You know, effective business people. No, the average person 
who just lives life, makes mistakes, does some stuff right, does the best we can. The angel of the Lord came and said, I'm declaring to you good tidings of great joy to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, the inheritance, the one who changes life today, tomorrow, and every day from here on out. The one who changes your view of what happens on the other side. When, when, when you are in the deepest deep, the Savior is here for you. The inheritance is being made available for you. Do you know those shepherds had no inheritance of their own? They weren't landowners. I have no real inheritance of my own. I have no good to offer. I have no greatness of self to offer. I have a vessel that desperately needs a savior, that desperately needed a God to do something for me that I couldn't do for myself. I owed a debt that I never could have paid. And he paid it for me. I, I have a, a place that I'm going when I leave this earth that I never could have imagined outside of the inheritance that was offered for me. That great joy that was declared on that day has changed my life. That great joy that was declared on that day, that inheritance that was offered to me is there to change your life. The offer for us today, as we go into this season, and I just really want to encourage you. Do you know what your inheritance is all about? The Lord is my portion. Whatever aspect of his nature you're needing, whatever part of his, his being is necessary for the space that you feel a void in right now, I guarantee you he is the answer. I guarantee you, if, if you feel like it's maybe a, a physical thing, an emotional thing, he literally is able to do that, but the starting point is him. It's the Lord is my portion. And what comes with it? We forget not all his benefits. You know, who heals our diseases, who provides for us, satisfies us. Like, that's the bonus. That's the benefits that come with. But he is my inheritance. So I'm going to ask Mel, would you come and just sing that song one more time? And let's just take a couple contemplative moments with this. I want you to grab out your little token this morning just as a reminder. And I want to pray over us today. Just um, as weird as it might sound, a deliverance from any of the false thinking of the naughty or nice list, the good or bad list that we may have inherited over the years that might be filtering us in any way from fully laying hold of what he has for us and who he is for us. Thank you, Lord. So God, this morning... We do thank you that you have offered us everything. 
Lord, because of, because of what we know, because of what we've experienced, because of even just how life works and consequences of actions and whatnot, God, we are aware that sometimes it's possible to roll that over into our expectation of you. And Lord, today, I just pray a freedom over your people. Any sense, any space where we filter you through the naughty or nice list, God, where we are looking for good or bad, where we, we only anticipate from you when we feel good about ourselves, Lord, we ask your forgiveness today. Any place where we've bit into that false mindset, that false teaching, God, and, and connected it to you, we ask your forgiveness today. And Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from any of that mindset that could be clouding our relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that your word shows us through so many examples, like even the prodigal son, like Nicodemus, who came and asked you, uh, the questions of life, the reality of life, God, through the experiences that we see in the early disciples and apostles, God, their encounters with you were never about what they had done, but all about what you have done and who you are. Lord, today I pray a release over your people into the good news of great joy. Lord, that we would experience fully that joy in this coming week, Lord, whether we're gathering with people, whether we're on our own, whatever the path looks like for us, God, that as we engage this Christmas celebration, Lord, that we would celebrate it as it, as it really is meant to be, a celebration of joy, of love, of peace, of hope, a celebration of who you are and the invitation. And God, may we say over our own lives and declare over us, I have a beautiful inheritance. Lord, may we walk in the inheritance. May we lay down our own checklist and God come before you with a heart wide open. Lord, we thank you that we can't make ourselves good. Only you are good, but we can say yes to you and you can transform us from the inside out. So I pray just a fresh release, a fresh embracing, a fresh love. Even today, God, I thank you for liberating your people to see and experience the fullness of the inheritance you have given them. You are my portion. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.